Good sitting tonight for Eric, and uh, take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 3 tonight. Galatians chapter 3, Living in Liberty. It's about our eighth or ninth message now. I've lost track myself. On, I preached several messages on chapter 1, of course, and then in chapter 2, we looked at chapter 1, Born Free, our key verses for verses 6 through 8, of course, and I marvel that you so soon we move from the grace of God into another gospel, which is not another, but there'll be some that trouble you, and there's, uh, Paul's laying down a fight. And uh, the fight for the gospel, for the truth of the gospel. He mentions in chapter 2, he talks about freedom's fight, and he references Acts chapter 15, the Jerusalem council there. And uh, some Judaizers, uh, false brethren, said that uh, in order to be saved, that uh, men had to be circumcised. And, uh, of course, most Gentiles were not. And, and, uh, and so they, he laid down the gauntlet and said, this is what's salvation and what is not salvation. We looked at three or four messages in Galatians chapter 2. I'm going to let you remain seated tonight as we read the scripture this evening. Don't worry. I know you're looking at the outline and say, oh boy, we got a lot to handle. We'll get through about maybe half of it, maybe a third of it tonight. But just put your thinking cap on. Very important uh, uh, lesson tonight here, of course. And, and our key word, uh, key verse is verse number 1. But we'll read verses 1 to 10 responsibly. And uh, I'd like to read the whole chapter, but for time's sake, we'll just stop at verse 10. So let me read the odd-numbered verses. Read the five even-numbered verses with me, please. Galatians 1 through 10, or chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, reading responsibly. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are ye now made perfect in the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness." Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are under the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Galatians, this Magna Carta of Christian liberty, this salvation by justification and faith in Christ alone. Look at the very first word, and Paul uses very strong language. He uses fighting words. He wants to stir up people. And he uses, uh, I would use some Marty Schott vernacular, some modern day vernacular. He uses some in your face vocabulary. He's uh, getting right down, and he's getting down, and if you really want to get uh, uh, down to street talk, he's getting down and dirty with them. He's just telling them the way it is. He doesn't care if they, if they, they uh, get upset at him at first or not. He withstood Peter to the face, and now he's talking to these Galatians. And he says these strong, strong words. Look at verse 1 as we begin tonight. And wave introduction. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? There's that word bewitched. I'm old enough now where I remember in uh, uh, the, the, one of the most popular television shows when I was a kid growing up was 
bewitched, of course. And it was, uh, and everybody's uh, smile put on their face. And as we, we us old timers think of that song, or that song, that, that TV sitcom, because it was kind of a cute show, Larry Hagman and, uh, what was her name? Elizabeth Montgomery, yes. And Agnes Moorhead was the mother, of course. And we're, we're a little Hollywood trivia now. And bewitched, yes, that's right, bewitched. And they were, and she, was a, she was a good witch. And Agnes, uh, the mother, mother-in-law wasn't so, so good. Ironically, you that have Schofield Bible, I'd like to point this out. I promise you that her grandfather would have rolled over in the grave had he known that his, his uh, granddaughter, which was uh, Agnes Moorhead, who played the, the, the mother-in-law, of course, she played a witch, A.G. Moorhead was uh, one of the editors of the Schofield Reference Bible in 1917, and it was his granddaughter that, that uh, and when she died, she willed all her estate to a Christian organization, for the record, and uh, she, I think she was doing penance for her evil doings in Hollywood. Now, here's the truth of the matter is, we, we said, oh, that was such a cute show, and by today's standards, it probably was pretty cute, and probably, uh, I, I doubt if they had any swearing, in fact, I'm sure they had no swearing, they had no inappropriate uh, scenes in those days in, uh, in Hollywood and so forth. And yet, we look at that and we say, that was so cute, that was, a, that was, we'd, it was good TV watching, we would say today. But the truth to be told, it's about witches, about satanic people that deal with demons. And this word bewitched is the only time it's found in all the Bibles in this verse right here. It's the word baskino. It means, the word means, here's the first fill-in-the-blank word, I want you to get this down, to hypnotize. The word to be bewitched is to be hypnotized, it's hypnotic. It's, uh, it means to fascinate. It's an illustration given of, uh, I guess it's true, that snakes can crawl up and slide up and slither up. Now a snake is not in, doesn't have your best interest in, in mind. And a snake wiggles up to a mouse or a mole or even a rat. They attach eyes. They look at eyes, and the mole, the rat, will just literally freeze. And they'll say they've actually recorded this, and they'll actually just start to shake. And it can't take its eyes off the snake as the snake keeps its eyes on it. He's hypnotized. He's bewitched. The snake just slithers up and just eats their prey. Another illustration of hypnotized or being bewitched. I've been watching a lot of uh, World War II documentaries lately in the J- J- Japanese uh, before and after the war. I mean, these little kids, little boys and girls learning how to defend and fight to the death and the kamikazes, and they were all doing it for their god, for their emperor, the emperor of, uh, of Japan. They, they worshipped him. Whatever he said, they were willing to die. They were willing to commit Harry Carey, we call it, and, and kill themselves and uh, hundreds of thousands of Japanese, of course, uh, paid the ultimate sacrifice for the, they were, what were they, they were, they were, they were bewitched. They were, they were hypnotized. They were, and this is a word that Paul uses, a very strong word. He says, oh foolish, he's talking to Christians now. Oh foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? Chapter 2, verse 5, and chapter 2, verse number 11, it is, so the, the truth of the gospel. And uh, Paul uses these strong fighting words. I mean, an introduction on our worksheet again. Uh, these, this, these fighting words to wake, up, uh, uh, wake us up to the fact that we are in a battle for man's soul. Fill in the blank words. Paul is, he's willing to fight. He's willing to fight Peter over this. 
He's willing to chide and call names to these Galatian Christians. He calls them foolish. We'll look at that word in a minute. He says, you've been bewitched. You've, you've been deceived. You've been hypnotized. Shame on you is what he's saying. You read the rest of the verses here and you dissect these verses and you'll understand what I'm saying. He says, listen, we're playing for man's soul. So don't be fooled. And here's the fill in the blank word, the big, the big if you don't get anything else important or tonight, I want you to get this. Eternal security is important. The doctrine of so-called, and there are many so-called Christians that have been bewitched that, that, that make fun of this. You're not one of those Christians that believe in once saved, always saved, are you? You're not one of these Christians that believe that uh, you can be saved and do anything you want to, are you? That's what the translation is, or what they think. You're not one of these Christians that think that, you know, you don't have to do anything. Faith without works is dead. Brother Jim did a good job, I'm sure, preaching on James 3 on Sunday in Sunday school. James is talking about an outward faith there. But this Bible, this, this living in liberty is talking about an inward faith, a faith that comes from God. And the eternal security is important. And so here's this entire chapter, and obviously I can tell right now we're probably get through a third of this if we're lucky. Well, if we're lucky for grace tonight. <laughs> but uh, uh, three arguments that chapter 3 gives us that prove salvation is by faith in Christ. Here's the key word, and I always emphasize it, in Christ alone. There's that song, in Christ alone. Salvation is, salvation is Christ. Salvation is Jesus. It's all Jesus. You say, preacher, you pound away on this most services. Yes, I do. Thank you very much. I'll take that compliment. And you say, preacher, this is like first grade Christianity. It might be first grade Christianity, but it's deep Christianity. This is foundational Christianity. And there's a whole lot of people, and you work with a lot, rub shoulders with friends and relatives and loved ones, and they don't understand this basic Christianity, basic first base Christianity. And so we could say, oh, foolish Christians, so foolish neighbors, so foolish co-workers, so foolish relatives, whoever the case is, that brother, sister, man, uncle, mother, father, on and on the list goes, that do not understand this simple basic principle of the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that salvation is all in Jesus Christ alone without the works of the law. So he gives three arguments. Number one tonight, let's look at verses one to five in some detail now, and notice the personal argument. Paul starts off with a personal argument. He starts off with, Paul was a, he was schooled in logic. He was trained. He was a, he was um, schooled in uh, the school of the Pharisees. Of course, Gamaliel was his teacher. Many of you know that. And uh, he was of the school of Hillel. And he, had a, he was trained in, in the, the science of logic. And so he starts to ask, and a great way of teaching is to ask questions. And so he asks six questions in these next verses here. So notice it with me. First of all, verse number one. We'll look at what it says again. O foolish Galatians... Who hath bewitched you? Who's hypnotized you? Who's, who are you fascinated by? Who are you locked onto and you're, you're, you're blind? It's, it's going to cause you your de de death and demise. And you're going you're gonna to think that it's okay, it's wonderful, because you're dying for, you're going you're to die as a fool. That ye should not be, that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you. Notice that last phrase. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth. 
Can you see Jesus Christ, by the way, in your mind's eye, high and lifted up on the cross of Calvary tonight? Do you have a mental view in your mind of Christ that died on that cross for your sins? That's why I don't want to get off tangent too much tonight, but that's why I don't like, we don't have crucifixes. That's why we don't, I don't, uh, the Bible says, make any graven image. It put a, something in your mind, even a Hollywood movie. I'm sorry, I'm just being honest. And you put a, a physical representation in your mind of what you think Christ looked like on the cross. You want to get your vision from the Spirit of God, from the Word of God, not from man's imagery. Very important. But anyhow, back to the point. Can you see Christ high and lifted up for the cross, so I, on the cross for your sins? So question number one, we'll make it real simple. Who died for your sins? Who died for your sins? Who was crucified among you? Did you get crucified for your sins? Could you die for your sins? Now, there were two thieves that died for their sins, weren't they? But they couldn't justify, they couldn't, they, the, the one thief said to the other thief, he says, we did justly, but this man has done nothing amiss. They died for their sin, but they couldn't atone for their sin because they were sinners, they were murderers, they were thieves. Millions of people will die for their sins and they'll, they'll have to pay for their sins themselves in a real place called hell. But they never can atone for their sins. I love the song I've said many times, I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. There are people in South America and other places around the world that they will be, at Christmas, Easter time, they will, they will have themselves nailed to crosses. They'll bear crosses and they'll nail, nail, nail for a time trying to atone for their sin. You can't atone for your sin, you're guilty. The, the sacrifice had to be a perfect sacrifice. The lamb, a dirty lamb, if we go back to the Old Testament sacrificial system of offerings, what kind of lamb had to be offered on the day of Passover, and for that matter, every day? Uh, tell me some of the qualifications of the lamb. It had to be a male or female? It had to be male. Ladies, I'm not trying to hurt you. It couldn't be a female lamb. It had to be male. What if your lamb was speckled? Could you use your lamb? Oh, no. No speckled lambs. It had to be white. Let's say your lamb was two years old. No. It had to be one years old. It had to be without spot or blemish. One-year-old male lamb. Had to be a picture of, of perfection. You see, we can't die for our sins. We can't atone for our sins. Paul says, who do you think you are? He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Who, 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 do you know the truth of the gospel? That it was Christ that died for your sins. The perfect Lamb of God. He alone died for your sins. You didn't die for, him for, for yourself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, many verses, uh, the gospel, in fact, turn over there, it's just a few pages back in your Bible, 10 pages or so, or 15 pages maybe. 1 Corinthians 15. Hey, I learned a little secret. I just went in and I'll just tell you my little secret. I don't have my glasses on. I just print large now. I just got large print. I got my Bible on large print. So this is my Bible, small print, and I can't read it. This is a blur to me. So, so somebody read verses 1, 2, and 3 for us. 1 Corinthians 15, please. Uh, Brother Bruce, can I pick on you? Do you have that? 1 Corinthians 15. Brother Bruce, do you have it? Christ died for our sins according to the 
Okay, so we could have read verse 4, but that'll suffice to, end, to bullet the point. Uh, Paul gets a personal argument. Who died for your sins? Christ died for your sins. Simple. I mean, we could say, you know, basic 101 Christianity, duh. But some people don't get it. So he says, oh, who died for your sins? Answer, answer the question, please. And then, then in many other verses that we could go to, but verse number two, notice what it says here as we continue on to the second personal argument he gives. He says, who died for your sins, Galatians? Then he says, verse number two, this only will I learn of you. He say, this is a fancy way of saying, you tell me now, Galatians. Let me teach me something. Let me learn of you. Received ye, how'd you get the Spirit? Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Well, the answer is rhetorical. We know how we get the Spirit. We get it by, the, by, by, the, by, by faith. And so question number two is, how did you get the Spirit? How did you receive the Spirit? By your good works? By your works righteousness? Now, I want to run a tangent for a minute here, and we'll do this fairly quickly here because I can tell right now we're not going to get very far. But uh, did you get the Spirit by baptism? Now, there's plenty of churches that tell you, yes, you do. Acts 2.38, somebody get there real quickly and get ready to read that for us, please. Give me a hand here. Acts 2.38, somebody. Uh, okay, Tim, get ready to read that for us. Uh, now, there's some churches, and uh, there, are, there are literally churches within driving distance of five minutes, ten minutes away from here that tell you that you cannot receive the Spirit of God if you don't have, if you've not been baptized. And they, their whole church dogma, their church doctrine teaches that. I could start naming names, and I probably should. It's the reason why we're a Baptist church and not a Church of Christ church or a, a variant of a Pentecostal church, because there are some churches that teach that baptism is a part of, is a sacrament. It's part of how you get the Spirit of God. In Acts 2.38, the, the, the men said there in Pentecost, uh, or, um, uh, what shall we do? They asked about the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, Peter said that, that Jesus was both Lord and Christ. And they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter, and Peter said these words, Acts 2.38. Now, that is the John 3.16 of churches that believe that baptism is part of salvation. Repent and be baptized. I'm emphasizing on purpose. Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Well, if that's the case, then every time in the Word of God it tells us how to be saved, it ought to tell us that we need to be baptized. But the Bible says, Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not, same verse, Shall be damned. What's salvation in? Salvation is believing. What's the natural thing that everybody should do after they get they believe in Christ, receive Christ as Savior? They should get baptized. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. I always use a little silly poem. He that getteth on the bus and sitteth down shall go to town, but he that getteth not on the bus shall not go to town. What gets you to town? By getting on the bus. What do you do when you get on the bus? You sit down. What should you do when you get saved? You should get baptized. Peter had, back to Acts chapter 2, he had the, the, the Jews exactly where he wanted them. They just they got done crucifying, they yelled 53 days earlier, crucify him, crucify him. He said, oh, you want to know what you do? 
Repent in the name of Jesus Christ and get baptized in his name. And you'll receive the remission of sins. I, I could spend another, spend the whole time there, but we'll move forward. You don't get the spirit by getting baptized. And that includes, by the way, let's bring it home to where we live. That includes by being in a Baptist church. There's churches that believe that when you come up out of that water, you've got the spirit, the filling of the spirit. Uh, you could be filled with the spirit, but that's not how you get the spirit. And it's not, secondly, the second fill in the blank word is not by tongues. I, I'm not trying to evade, this is another, you know, there could be an hour-long study here. There are some churches that preach what they call, used to be a big buzzword phrase, the full gospel. That you're not saved until you get the manifestation of tongues, or you, you, evidence of tongues, that you're sa sa saved. Now, baptism and tongues are both what's called a manifestation of the Spirit. Not, not uh, evidence that you, uh, not uh, uh, the giving of the Spirit, but the manifestation that you had the Spirit. This is first century. But as, we don't get the Spirit of God by baptism, nor do we get it by tongues, but ABC here, I'm going to have to hurry here. We are, first of all, born by the Spirit. Gen John chapter 3, let's all turn there quickly here. John chapter 3. And uh, I just want to run this rabbit trail that goes along. Just thought we took Hendrew with us uh, uh, to uh, Virginia, and uh, oh man, he almost made me cry a couple times. He's getting it, folks. He's he's learning the gospel. He prayed with me to receive Christ. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if he he understands yet. We we prayed, and and uh, he's he's just drinking it in. But he's reading his Bible in Chinese now, and uh, it's a wonderful thing. And. We told him they need to be born again, and he told me some stories. I'll definitely incorporate them in some messages going forward here. You know, in China, they pray to the God of China, which is their king, which is their president, in other words. There's, there's no God in the atheist, communist China. They killed 100 million of their people in the name of socialism, in the name of the People's Republic, of course. And, and, uh, and so everything is the emperor. And he realized there's no love there. And when he heard the gospel story, he realized this is where there's love is found. We're in the Lord Jesus Christ. But in John chapter 3, and many of you, are, you're familiar with the story of most everyone here. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, and I'm paraphrasing verses 1 and 2. And Jesus said unto him, verse 3, and I paraphrase again, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, verse 4, how can a man be born as old? Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb and he be born? Let me slow down. Jesus said, verse 5, Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, I love our King James Bible for multiple reasons, but notice the Spirit there, capital S. Thank you very much. You've got to be born of the water and of the Spirit, but then verse number 8 it says, uh, verse 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. And then it makes the analogy, verse number 8, the wind blows where it will, or where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goes, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Salvation, the new birth, is by the Spirit of God. Okay, let's move forward here. I'm gonna, I'm, we've got to wrap this things up here. And let's go let her be here. Uh, what does the Spirit do? He asks, how did you get the Spirit? Letter B, we are baptized in the Spirit. Now, there's the Spirit baptism. By one Spirit, we are all baptized into one body, and we are baptized into Jesus Christ. There is a Spirit baptism. And another 
time, another, you know, Ephesians 4 talks about one baptism. And we see several baptisms in the Bible, but there's one baptism, I believe it's local church baptism there, but that's another story. But we are baptized, we are baptized by the Spirit, we are in Christ when we are saved. Then letter C on the worksheet, what does the Spirit do for us when we get Him? Well, we're born by Him, we're born by the Spirit, we're baptized by the Spirit. Number three, we are sealed by the Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 for time's sake says, we are sealed unto the day of redemption. You can't break the seal of God. In John chapter 10, we are in the Father's hands, we are in the Son's hands, and we're wrapped up in the Spirit. We call it triple indemnity. We're, we, we are, we have, we're, we're sealed, safe, sealed, secured, and we will be delivered uh, without spot or blemish one day. One day that will be all by the Spirit of God. So Paul, back to the original argument, back to Galatians chapter 3, he asks a second question in this personal argument. Now, how are you saved? How do you know you have eternal life? Well, number one, well, who died for your sins? And he's being in your face about this. And so I'm trying to, you know, be in your face tonight. Christ died for your sins. We didn't die for our own sins. We, we couldn't die for our sins even if we wanted to. We could die for our sins. It wouldn't do us any good. Who died for your sins? How did you get your, the Spirit? By your own works? By your own doing? By getting baptized or by tongues or by some other man-made uh, sacrament, some man-made way to get the Spirit? No, you got the Spirit by faith. Did you deserve it? No. You were born by the Spirit. You were baptized into the Spirit. And you are sealed by the Spirit. Then we get to the latter part of verse number 3. Look what it says, verse number 3. Are ye so foolish? Now again, that's another strong word. He uses that word in verse number 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. He uses the same exact word. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? He said, are you that? Can I, can I be real blunt? No, let me give you the point number 3 here. How can you be how can you be so spiritually senseless? The word means a nice way to say that word foolish means senseless. It literally means to be unintelligible. Can I give you the, the slang version? Are you so crazy? Can I get really down and dirty? Are you stupid? That's what he's saying. Are you so foolish? I mean, he's using strong verbiage. Strong wording. They knew the words. These words don't mean too much to us, but they meant a lot to these Grecians, to these Galatians. What are you, unintelligible or senseless? Are you, I mean, we could get, I mean, think of all the things when you think of senseless. If somebody's senseless, they're a, a half-wit. What are you, schizophrenic? What are you, half-baked? What are you, a fruitcake? I mean, on and on we could go. And you say, preacher, you're exaggerating. No, I'm not, because I haven't got several more words to interpret here and define. And you'll see how, how in your face Paul was being. So he basically was saying, how can you be so spiritually senseless, so unintelligible? How, how foolish can you be, he's saying, to think that you are saved by grace, but you've got to keep it by works. Well, let's get one more in at least if we can. Number latter part of verse number four, three again, it says, "Are ye now made perfect and by the flesh?" What? So number four, 
Does your perfection come from the flesh or the spirit? Now, Romans 7.18, somebody get that verse for us real quickly here. Give me a hand. 7.18, Romans 7.18, quickly here. We're trying to hurry. We're racing against the clock. Marge, get ready, please. So uh, the next fill in the blank word number four is, does, does your perfection, how are you perfected? Well, you got salvation by the spirit, but now you got to work it out in your flesh, right? Because we know all the good things that come from the flesh, right? March, Romans 7.18 will suffice. So the question is, can any good thing come from the flesh? Job abhorred himself in sackcloth and ashes. He, uh, uh, when Isaiah saw the Lord, he, he, he recoiled. When, when you get a glimpse of the Lord and you realize how holy he is and how, how filthy we are, all our righteousness are as filthy rags. The robe of flesh will fail us. The robe of flesh, I mean, our flesh, I hate to be gross in, a, in your face, but our flesh is rotting. You know, pardon me, I look at the mirror and it's like, I'm not the young 20-year-old I used to be. The, the wrinkles are coming. The, 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 the skin, you know, the baby's skin is so beautiful, you know that. We all know that. But our skin, the older we get, the worse we're. I mean, we try everything we do. If, if I could, I'd wear makeup, you know. But uh, uh, we're trying to hide. What's good in the flesh? Nothing. Last point here, and we'll, we'll try to wrap this up here. Verse number four. Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? Now, that word suffered is the word pasco in the Greek. It obviously means suffer, to suffer. But then there's the word sukos. You put pasco and sukos together, sukos or breath or soul, or we get the word psychology, the study of the soul, the study of, the, of self, the study of the, the spirit of the... So you put those two words together, and you got psychos and your pathos, and you got a psychopath. Really, I'm not making this up. Have you suffered? Are you so so psychopathic? Have you experienced number four or number 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 five? It is. I'm sorry. Have you experienced so many things, so many sufferings? In other words, in vain. All these things you've gone through. Do you actually think you've suffered these things? You're doing these things. I mean, understand at this time in, in church history, people were dying for their faith. People were literally being burned alive at stakes. People were being fed to the lions. I mean, this was really happening. They were being sawn asunder, torn in pieces. Read Hebrews 11. True stuff. Christians all over the world are being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Dying for For what? Dying for a salvation that is in their performance? No way. They suffered these things knowing that uh, um, they're not self-deceived. They're not sukkahs. They're not, they're not uh, pathological, uh, crazy people. But they're doing it. They've understood that they are suffering because the Spirit of God dwells in them and they, they are living for him and him alone, of course, that he's the one that empowers them to go to the cross and, and uh, let the flames, uh, oh, like John Huss, I'm thinking that Pastor Parmar gave the story of John Huss, how he, how he let the flames lick him uh, as he burned, was burned alive at the stake for the faith of the gospel, of course. And so 
so he starts off with, he says, who hath bewitched you? Having begun in the spirit, are you made perfect in the flesh? He's going to lay out, these are just the first five verses, four minutes after eight o'clock, I've got to close. We'll pick this up, Lord willing, next Wednesday night. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, help us not to be bewitched, to be deceived. Lord, hypnotized by false gospels like the Jehovah Witness that I met this week. Lord, that uh, hypnotized, thinking that they can get to their new heaven or new earth by a performance, by being fleshly, uh, Lord, performing in their hundred ways that they they do to try to inherit uh, the kingdom. Lord, deliver us from that. Deliver us from the idea that our salvation is something to do with us. Help us to walk with thee, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. And we thank you. We, we have no boasting because salvation is all by your grace. And so we're humbled tonight. Lord, help us as we uh, close out our service tonight. Lord, help us to realize the beautiful, marvelous, infinite, and matchless grace of our loving Savior. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's sing one verse of that. I think it's 241, 241. Just one verse there. I think we sing.